Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are talking prepping for a looming recession. That's right, man. We are talking about what you should do with... A recession on the horizon. Did you, did you like the foreboding in my voice in uh, the intro? The looming. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're reading a, a kid's horror story. <laughs> but so the prepping part of it, it makes me think back to recently we talked with Nick Majuli and he talked a little bit about prepping. So he lives up in New York and he, uh, as we were talking with him, he talked about keeping some water on hand. That's right. Like, That's like right. a certain amount of water like in his apartment, which is something I guess... I think I would do that, I guess, if I lived there in New York City when there's, you know, like millions and millions of people packed into a very small geographic location. And then you have less room in your apartment to store things. <laughs> so you're like, what do I store? But you're right. He said he had a mask ahead of time when nobody else in New York, an N95 mask when I, no one else yeah, did. Yeah. So I'm like, man, respect, like m major props to Nick for being slightly prepared. I mean, he's not like by any means an actual prepper where he's got, you know, meals or anything like that. Like we don't even have, I mean, we- That you know of. We didn't get that far with him but that's that's true he's like <laughs> in the walls this right. is where I, <laughs> this is where i keep my zombie slaying he didn't want everyone to know where he keeps his canned goods and all of his all of his goodies where his root cellar is yeah uh, i could i think i've mentioned this before but i feel like i could see myself getting into that a little bit um not because i necessarily think it's something that's going to happen 
but just because it seems kind of fun, <laughs> you know, just to be, it's, I mean, and we're, we're going to get to this during this episode, but just to be able to kind of flex your muscles a little bit and be like, okay, if something were to happen, if it were all to potentially hit the fan, I would be prepared. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about when it comes to our money. Not necessarily that everything is about to completely go downhill, but that if it were to happen, that you would absolutely be prepared. That's what we're talking about today. And specifically, Joel's going to give his take on uh, as to exactly when the recession is exactly going to start. When it's going to start, when it's going to end. I'm going to give, yeah, I've got my crystal ball out <laughs> here and I will give my predictions. Well, no, but there are a lot of people who are giving their predictions right now, Matt. And so that made us want to actually talk about this today because if you read, yep. pay attention, if you read newspapers, if you are on Twitter or whatever, you've probably seen the R word start popping up in your feed and you're like, uh, when, where, what, huh? I thought things were going well and uh, with the economy. So what the heck are we talking about a recession for? We'll, we'll get into that in this episode. That's right, man. So we'll get to all that here later on. But first, uh, a quick little story to share with listeners and our family. We are looking at a new house uh, and specifically we so we put an offer in on this house. It got accepted. So that means we're technically under contract now That's at this point. A feat in today's market. That, so that congratulations. Is, that is very true. Um, however, here's where things get sticky. That thing didn't fully appraise, which is also not surprising given you know the rapid increase in home prices that we've seen here in Atlanta over the past year. We've seen uh, an average increase of 20 percent. Luckily, this particular house has seen somewhat less <laughs> of that 20, full 20%. But regardless, it didn't fully appraise, which means... Do you, know, do you know where I'm going to go with this? There's a gap there that you gotta that you gotta come to the table with more money. Exactly. Yeah. There's a gap between the uh, the 20 percent that I was that we were looking to put down uh, and w- what I have to put down now. So I thought we were going to you know have to just come to the table with a little bit more money. But then I was talking with my lender and he specifically said that hey you could always consider PMI and I was just like dude. Private mortgage insurance, not for me. That's Have you for, listened to How to Money? That's for losers. <laughs> Check out my show. However, even though that's something that we wouldn't normally recommend, uh, this is a situation where I realized that it could make sense because specifically, it seemed like it was going to make sense maybe for two reasons. One of which, uh, I asked him to shop it around and he was able to find PMI uh, that was only going to cost $60 a month, which is pretty affordable. And then secondly, he said that they would offer a lender credit. So they were going to chip in $1,500 uh, uh, towards closing costs, which that would effectively pay for our PMI for two years. And so what that means is that at the end of that two years, then I'm going to have to pay for that PMI myself, right? Basically out of you know, out of pocket. Uh, that's not a cost that has essentially kind of been subsidized. Uh, but by that point, there will be enough pay down on that balance to have reached that 20% in equity uh, threshold. And so in this case, I'm not necessarily even counting on the, the the home appreciating even more. It's just a matter of looking at the amortization schedule and seeing that literally, like I think it's actually 25 months past when we might be set to, to purchase the home, we will enter that territory. And so essentially that means we're going to be able to come to the table with a little bit less money. That's money that we will be able to continue to invest in the market or put towards other goals or other projects that we might have in mind. So wanted to share that because this this is just one of those situations where the the general rule of thumb like that we do often talk about here on the show doesn't necessarily apply. Yeah, it makes me think there are a lot of things that we say on the show from time to time. And we're we're talking to a wide range of people who are in a bunch of different circumstances and we're giving our best advice. And that doesn't mean that that advice applies to every specific situation. It, it makes me think of we, you know, we hate when people take out loans for vehicles. Buying a new car and taking out some sort of five, six-year loan, it's not ideal. And if it's an even longer loan, it's even worse, right? But 
if you have the cash on hand to pay for that car and you can get a zero percent interest rate well that that changes the game that's basically like it's, it's it, in my mind it's sort of like a credit card <laughs> with a yearly statement or, yeah. or, or like it's like hey this statement doesn't actually hit for like two or three years <laughs> and so our views are subject to change we've recently talked about how our, our views have changed a little bit at least when it comes to how those buy now pay later things work on on websites when you're checking out and the same is true for certain specific situations where the numbers pan out differently than they normally do. So PMI right. typically isn't 60 bucks a month. It's usually quite a bit more for it, most folks. It can folks. be a, a lot more. And, and not everyone gets offered a lender credit. Right? Exactly. That's, but that's if all the rich. things, if it all lines up and the numbers make sense, then uh, like a general piece of advice that we do give, and like we would still give, we, we, don't, we don't want you to pay an additional fee, essentially. Like that's how I view PMI. It's just like, man, even just the principle of it, I still don't like it. But yeah. at the end of the day, when I look at the numbers, I'm saying to myself, oh, this actually makes a lot more sense for me to go ahead and do this, even though it's going to be difficult. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of confessing here on the podcast <laughs> that I will likely have PMI for the next couple of years, I guess, if we go through with buying this house. It's a scarlet letter, Matthew. It, that's what it feels like. But specifically, I'm willing to say that because at the end of the day, what do the numbers show? And the numbers show that it makes sense for us to go ahead and, and, and accept and eat this fee because essentially it's getting paid for by the lender. When I took out uh, a loan on my Nissan Leaf, I felt like a fraud. I was like, who am I? Really? I've yeah. never bought a new car. I've never had a car loan. Like I, I had that, like some, one of those existential moments. It's like some cognitive dissonance <laughs> between what you've normally said but then versus what the reality is showing on the ground with the numbers. Exactly. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, you got to look at the numbers and you got to look at the reality, which is like, well, if you could afford to buy that car anyway and you can do more productive things with that money, then it's not a bad idea. Yeah, and so exactly. Yeah. We have we, to leave we, room for that nuance. Exactly. So we have the money on hand to where we could come to the table with a full 20%. And in this case, we're choosing not to, similar yeah. to just like you. Like you could have paid cash for that vehicle, but like you said, a 0% loan, like that is something that is worth considering because, okay, what else could I do? And especially too, if you're going to have that money set aside, uh, you know, maybe you're going to beef up your, your reserves a little bit more, your emergency fund a little bit more. That still keeps you in that strong position just in case something were to happen that you could quickly eliminate that. Oh, the unique and quirky world of personal finance. There, there are yeah. so many things to consider, but I'm glad you you shared one of those quirks with us today because it's something that I think we can, we can all learn from yeah. and apply to our personal situations. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Let's the beer we're having on today's episode. This one is called Ianger Altbearish Dunkel. I think I pronounced that wrong. Very um, nice. I no, might have mispronounced think... every single one of those words <laughs> just now. No, you got the Dunkel part right. Okay. I know that for a fact. <laughs> uh, well, this is a Bavarian dark lager. We'll give our thoughts at the end of the episode. But for now, Matt, we're talking prepping for a looming recession. And when I was thinking about this episode, I was, I was, I don't know, for some reason it made me think about backup actors and I never actually really did any acting oh. myself. Did you, were you in the drama school I, plays? I was not a drama kid. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> it just made me think that the, the person in that role, the person who is the backup actor, they have to, they're the understudy and they have to be prepared like they were going to take the stage that night, right? That like they're going to, let's yep. say they're preparing for the main role in like a Shakespearean drama. You better prepare like you're actually going to be the person there on stage, even though the, <laughs> the greater likelihood is that you're going to be sitting on the sidelines, right? And if you only halfway studied, let's say, the lines, and you didn't really put much effort in at, at practice, then you're not going to be ready to shine mm-hmm. in case the lead actor gets sick or injured. <laughs> and so, yeah, while there's a chance you might never perform in front of a crowd on this specific production, you better prepare like you're going to be out there every single night for weeks to come. And so, yeah, I think of uh, recession prepping the the same way. Are, you know, are we going to see a recession next year? Well, 
I don't really know. There are predictions going around saying that we will. We might or might not. Will we see one in the next five years? We could, um, but whether we do or we don't, we still need to prepare financially as though we're going to. That's right. And just like that understudy, you want to make sure that you're 100% ready just in case because, yeah, flubbing half your lines because you didn't prepare adequately, that sounds that sounds pretty stressful. Exactly, yeah. So the reason we're talking about this today, again, is because there's a good chance that you are hearing these rumblings, you know, these musings from the experts out there that we might be in for a bumpy economic ride. I mean, not just the United States, the whole world is feeling this way. Deutsche Bank, they just put out a warning that we're likely to to see a recession next year. In a recent Wall Street Journal survey of economists shows uh, a massive upward trend in the number of folks who are predicting an upcoming recession. And it kind of reminds me too of the joke that uh, economists have correctly predicted 13 of the last four recessions. <laughs> if you call them often enough, eventually you're going to be right. Yeah. Um, meaning that like the R word, it just gets overused. Uh, even still, it is something worth talking about because one of the current signs point directly to this possibility, and that's the inverting of the yield curve. That happened recently. You might have seen that in the financial headlines recently as well. Uh, and the Fed, it will continue to raise rates in order to try and calm some of the inflation we've been seeing. This adds more risk. Uh, but what is it that you need to do? That's what we're talking about here today. We want to get granular on this topic. We want to give some specific steps that you should take in order to be prepared, whether we enter recession territory in a month or maybe not even for another decade. Who knows? That's right. So I think that it's an important point to make, Matt, that uh, that we're not necessarily going into a recession, right? There are all these predictions. There are more headlines. There's more consensus around the idea that we might be closing in on a recession, but it doesn't mean it does not guarantee that it. it's inevitable. Exactly. And so there's no need to freak out. That is not what this episode is is trying to do. Is to get you to to freak out and stockpile food for the next two years because you know in, in your root cellar, Nick Majuli style, uh, because <laughs> he doesn't actually do that. I think I gave him a hard time on that episode. Too. I feel a little bad about that, but we had a good time. Uh, but yeah, while these predictions are being thrown around like hotcakes, that's not, that's not really our jam. We're not going to make any predictions here. We don't we don't know. We'll, we'll claim uncertainty. But uh, friend of the show, former guest Morgan Housel, he tweeted the other day, and I thought this was just a brilliant way of saying it. He said, we're definitely heading towards a recession. The only thing that's uncertain is the timing, location, duration, <laughs> magnitude, and policy response. <laughs> and so, well, aside from all of those things, this will 100% happen. Exactly. Guaranteed. Yes. So uh, basically, yes, it will happen one of these days. It's just, we don't know when, where, how it's going to come about. And it's still worth being prepared for because historically, we do experience a recession every 5.9 years. And then that brings up the question, I guess, Matt, people are like, you've been using this word recession a lot now. <laughs> Early on in the show, what does that mean? You know, we had to yeah, define terms when we did crashes, corrections in your go. reaction episode. So let's talk about that because a recession is is when the economy hits a rough spot and stops growing. And, and we're officially in recession territory when that happens for two consecutive quarters or for six months total. And and you know it's it's often that you don't know that you're in a recession in the middle of it. You you find out based on data at the end of it, and and you can kind of extrapolate or assume or or predict, but it's hard to know really until the event is actually is actually over. Yeah, you know it's not unlike someone trying to time the stock market, right? Like so, I remember having a conversation with a friend uh, who was an investment advisor back in 2013. This is like yeah, nearly 10 years ago, and after a couple of years of amazing growth, he was expecting for the market to significantly correct. Like I I don't specifically remember if he was saying that we should be expecting a bear market or anything like that. But regardless, 
he was saying that he wasn't going to be investing until things dropped back down. And, you know, like maybe <laughs> he was able to time the, the market perfectly back in 2015, 2016, when things corrected a little bit, when the market was down, like only about, I think it was about 10%. But if you would have stopped investing back in 2013, when, when we were having this conversation, you would have missed out on over 20% growth during that period. E- you know, even if you had checked your, you know, checked your, your, your rate of growth, uh, in the midst of some of those little declines there. So, like, aside from that, you would have been up like 30, 40%. And if you didn't even get in in 2015, 2016, and you're still waiting for, oh, <laughs> for that decline? You're missing out on over, you know, like hundreds of percent exactly. uh, in, in, in growth. Uh, and so, similar to the stock market, trying to time and, and to pinpoint exactly when a recession is about to hit is a really difficult endeavor. That's right. That's, that's why you and I, we don't want to prognosticate anything. One, we're not smart enough. And two, we don't think anybody's smart, smart enough necessarily to do that. It's uh, it's a fool's errand. But despite our inability to time a recession in order to optimize things, we think that folks should always treat their finances in a way that that assumes that a recession could happen. And and you gotta treat it with respect. That's right. You gotta know that uh, it, you make hay while the sun shines. Right. Realizing that negative things have the potential to arise in the future, and that's because it's not just broad economic trends that impact our finances. Right. The the economy economy might even keep roaring along, but you might still experience what we would call a, a personal recession. Or you could fall on right. hard times yeah. health-wise in, in your own life, or or your spouse or, or partner has some health issues that arise, and you have to take time off of work to help care for them. Um, some steep medical bills that you have to pay for, or your monthly expenses might dramatically increase, or, or even, Matt, take uh, with, with rents going up across the country, someone might have a personal recession where their rent went up $200 a month and they weren't prepared for that. And so these are the kind of things. Significant payment. Exactly. That's a big increase in your monthly expenses. And so these are the kind of things that it's it's not just a macro level recession that could impact you. It's all these micro things that happen along the way. You could lose your job, you know, effectively eliminating the majority of your income altogether. Mm -hmm. And so basically, you know, a personal recession that specifically affects you and your family could come at any time. And, you know, even if the American economy continues to crush, continues to cruise along, even if wages are up, unemployment is low, it's wise to be prepared in your own life, in your own family, to make sure your personal finances are ready for whatever comes. That's right. But the question still remains, what should you be doing? In what ways should you be preparing for an upcoming recession, whether it, it, it happens in the next year or the next 10 years? We will get to all of that right after this break. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. 
but it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. No matter how hard of a worker you are, you probably like to kick back, relax, and just chill every now and then. But if you're an investor, that's the last thing you want your money to be doing. You want it to be out there working hard and kicking butt. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Betterment's automated technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help maximize returns. We're talking tools like diversified, expert-built portfolios of low-cost ETFs. Keeping those expense ratios low is key to seeing your investments compound over the years and decades. A high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Listeners know that they need to have an emergency fund set aside for those completely unforeseen expenses. A high-yield cash account is the perfect place to park that money in automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. That way, if certain industries are, say, growing like crazy, your portfolio, it stays on track. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. <laughs> Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step -step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. All right, we're back. We're still talking about recessions and the possibility that one comes in the near future. There's a chance. There's a chance. Happen. There's a definite chance. And it's like, it's sort of like, hey, you're going to die. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, 
Yeah, I guess we all die eventually. Right. Like, like it will happen at some point. We don't know when. We don't know how. Yeah. And we still want you to get term life insurance just in case. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. even if you're 32 and, you know, the uh, the actuarial tables show and your current health standing shows that there's a real, it's a really, really low percentage. It's very chance. unlikely. Yeah. It will still happen. Exactly. And so it's still, that. still wise to prepare for it. Yeah. So life insurance would be, yeah, I think uh, a similar sort of thing. And and there is good news here, Matt, before, um, if we do enter recession territory, fortunately, the, the American consumer, the American individual is kind of in good standing financially overall. Americans are, are sitting pretty in a lot of ways. One is just they have more cash on hand. Some estimates show that we've got two and a half trillion dollars in excess savings. Trillion with a T. Yeah, that's Not- a lot. Not billion, trillion. That has been built up during the pandemic, thanks to stimulus payments yep. and uh, and just people you know, banking more of the money that comes in. And so savings habits really changed quite a bit during the pandemic, which makes sense, understandably so. The, uh, the normal savings rate in the U.S., it's typically pitifully small. And so it's good to see a little bit of a change in in the savings direction. But for the time being, everyone it seems to be keeping that money socked away. And, and this bodes well for individuals and families. If you know an overall macro recession hits or if a micro recession hits in your life, having cash on hand is, is key. And it's good to know that if a storm does kind of pop up on the horizon recession-wise, that people are you know mostly prepared. They got their umbrella out. For a second, I thought you were going to say uh, having cash on hand is k- king. I thought you were going to say king, which I don't think that's something Thing we've ever said cash actually. is king cash is king uh because no, cash is helpful cash is helpful and sometimes at, depending on what you've got going on having more cash on hand is smart uh but a lot of times oftentimes uh it seems that folks you know they've got too much cash on hand and they're not investing those dollars it kind of just depends who you're talking to but i <laughs> thought you were gonna say cash is king <laughs> but i mean essentially like, we're talking about some of the different reasons why you shouldn't be worried about uh, a recession uh that might be looming on the horizon and, and another one of those reasons joel you just mentioned cash on hand but another reason too is that the the unemployment rate it's almost at three and a half percent which is essentially a 50-year low. Uh, there are still roughly about two jobs out there for everyone who is looking for a job. And so, yeah, you know, while the, the labor market, it's not perfect, uh, it's kind of been a, a bright spot economically. And it's become easier for, for a lot of folks to bounce to another job in order to earn more money or, you know, even just to ask for a more meaningful raise from their, their current employer. At the very least, it means that most Americans can continue to count on a steady paycheck and obviously having that regular income. It's always a great thing regardless if there's a recession coming or not. Yeah. So even if the economy cools off, it's like, well, maybe there's just one job opening for every individual looking for a job. And so the economy has been running so well that just a slowdown that we might experience might not even indicate a recession. It might just be indicate maybe a return to normalcy. Normalcy. Yeah. yeah. So in another bright spot, Matt, is consumer demand, right? So you know, one of the natural outcomes of lots of cash on hand that I talked about just a minute ago and more cash flowing into people's bank accounts, flowing into their lives is is a willingness to spend more of the money that they've got. And that's right. demand is still hot for so many items. We're talking about houses, cars, travel. You know, All of the demand in those sectors points to the fact that demand is intense. And, and we're not seeing yeah. signs of consumers curbing their spending in, in big ways. Not yet, at least. And so, in part, this consumer demand we're seeing is this pent-up demand that's you know finally able to be quenched because COVID has dropped off a cliff. And, and travel, for instance, right? This is an area that we, we literally weren't able to spend on uh, most of the past two years. And, and so folks are itching to get back out there. They're spending their dollars that have been sitting idle in savings accounts. And so I think there is a bright spot here that people have the cash on hand and they are saving it, but they're also willing to spend on things that matter to them. And I think that bodes well for businesses, right? Who are 
looking to hire and the economy in general. The fact that there are dollars, that there is you know, a thriving marketplace that, that people are engaged in. The average American consumer has a significant amount of optimism right now. Yeah, it certainly seems like a like it's a symptom that points to the the health and the confidence that folks have uh, with their financial situation. Well, so we've highlighted the strength of the economy. You know, the fact that things are getting back to normal, jobs are plentiful, spending is strong. Let's talk about recessions and uh, what it is that you should be doing right now. Uh, you know, because of the the Fed's attempt to rein in inflation, we could see slower growth, which which could halt this recovery that we're seeing. And so even though it remains anyone's guess as to you know what will actually happen and when that thing will happen, it's important to talk about what you should be doing in order to prepare for a recession. So the first thing that we want to talk about is shoring up your income. Specifically, we want you to firm up your, your position at your current job. So whether that means you are working from home, whether you're working in person, you want to make yourself indispensable. You know, if you feel like you're maybe a, a little off your boss's radar, it's worth scheduling a chat to make sure that that you're living up to expectations, maybe even seeing, hey, what what else could I take on? Like yeah. just kind of getting on the radar, seeing how it is that you could step up, how you can take a lead in, in future projects. Because uh, if a recession does come along and you happen to work in an industry that gets hit hard, you want to be like the last person on the chopping block, right? Like, like you want to be the person where they're just like, well, certainly, like I can't get rid of Joel because of you know, like Joel does this instead because he's really tall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's gonna reach the toilet paper in the break room to, uh, <laughs> to re- exactly. <laughs> to be able- That's what I'm good for. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta keep all those things in mind. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think firming up your current job, Matt, is makes a lot of sense. Making yourself indispensable. That's good advice. And then another thing to do is is to try to get a raise, um, to try to make more money now so that you can be banking more money in the months ahead. And you know, I, I know that lots of folks wish that pay bumps were just equal across the board, that you didn't have to fight to get more money, that it was just kind of standard um, cost of living bumps, plus a little more on top of it. But the truth is that that's not the case. And, mm-hmm. and the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I'm not saying that you should whine and complain or pester your boss for a raise. Like there's a way to do this. And then there's a way that's going to end up in in you becoming actually the dispensable person (laughs) at your job by being too much of a complainer, but uh, pointing out the value that you're bringing to the table and equating that to a reasonable increase in salary. It's crucial to make sure that you're not leaving money on the table, especially in this environment where employees are incredibly valuable, where the labor market is offering a premium for workers who fight for themselves, who speak up for themselves, this is a great time to increase the amount of money that you're making. That's right. Yeah. So like the way I like to view the world or that I naturally view the world is I agree. Like I feel like you shouldn't have to be this weak wheel, right? Because in like the perfect world, markets are like perfectly efficient. And people right? would recognize your accomplishments yeah. and re- reward you commensurately. Exactly. So if like, hey, you are bringing more value to your, your boss or to your company, there should be a perfect and equivalent raise to your salary. But the fact is, that's just not how the world actually works. Like it, it does make me think of the uh, efficient uh, market hypothesis where it's just like all data is available. And with the given data that more production is now happening at X company, you should see a proper a proper race. <laughs> but the fact is, you also have your boss or your manager because what they're trying to do is create as inefficient of a company as possible as well. And if they can keep you happy while keeping expenses low, well, then they win. Or not, you That's know, right. they don't win, but like the, then they're they're the ones doing a really good job. And so I guess all that to say, you do have to advocate for yourself. Uh, and whether that's, you know, just being the squeaky wheel or, or finding other ways to, to kind of step up, that's what we want to see folks do. Yeah. And so I think one one other thing when it comes to income, Matt, because the, the first tip you mentioned was shore up your income. And I think uh, another way to do that is to diversify your income. So if we're talking about a recession on the horizon uh, or, or even the possibility of you having a personal recession in your 
your life, it's important to make sure that not all of your money is coming from one place. You know, one of our listeners, they recently sent us a message um, and, and she said that she's trying to actively monetize her hobbies right now, if only to cut down on the costs of the things that she loves to do. And I loved hearing that mindset, Matt, that she's like, she's even thinking about in in just some of those ho- hobby pursuits that she's like trying to make sure that she's not spending too much or that she's at least breaking even. But having having those multiple streams of income is so helpful when the economy is starting to contract. Like it, it always sucks to lose your job, but it's way worse if that's the only income you have, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have any other methods of making income, making money at your disposal, if you are a one-trick pony when it comes to income, if, if it literally only comes from one place and that's your, your W-2 job, then we would say start thinking about that now, finding other ways to not only save money, but potentially diversify the way money comes into your life, that's a that's a smart way to prepare for a recession. Absolutely, man. That is why we're such huge fans of real estate. We're not going to be the ones here that tells you that, uh, you know, small, you know, real estate investing, that it's a purely passive endeavor. Right. It, it does take a little bit, a little bit of time, but way less than anything else out there. And so this is one of those areas where as you ramp up the amount of capital, the amount of money that you're able to put towards a side hustle, the less time that you're having to, to dedicate towards it. I, I see it as like the sliding scale, like initially, a lot of times, like the thing that is available to anybody, it oftentimes requires the most amount of time, right? Uh, and oftentimes it doesn't require much money because there's a lot more folks out there who have time than money. But then as you kind of progress down that scale, the amount of money that is going to be required of you increases and the amount of time can oftentimes uh, be reduced. Ultimately, you end up with uh, just passively investing that money in the market, which literally requires no time. It's just the matter of getting that money in, buying that investment, and then just seeing it grow from there. But obviously, to, to be able to live off of that, it requires a lot more money. Uh, but so, you know, we're talking about what to do during a recession. And, and we kind of talked about some of the different ways that you can make sure that you still have money flowing into your life. Uh, let's talk about your expenses, because when you are able to, to cut down your expenses, then you can keep money from flowing out of your life, right? And specifically, I want to talk about holding off uh, uh, on some big purchases. And so whether you know we're talking about an expensive month-long European vacation, maybe if you're maybe you're really fancy and you're thinking about buying a second home, like either way making a big splash purchase like this uh, that depletes your reserves, it's it's not wise if you're worried that a recession might be on the horizon. Uh, and regardless of what's going on with the economy, these are the types of expenses that you want to make sure that you've carefully planned for and that you've performed your due diligence, right? Not only to make sure that you're getting uh, the best deal possible, but also to make sure that this is an expense that you can easily stomach. You want to be able to absorb these types of expenses in, in good or in bad, in, in lean times or in fat times. Yeah, I don't think we're saying cancel that planned vac- vacation that you have, but think think long and hard. Like, do you actually have the expendable income to take it? Yeah, I mean, it, it shouldn't push you to the brink, right? right? Like, your finances shouldn't be like just dangling by a thread were you to you know go forward with whatever it is that you're thinking yeah, about. Yeah, if you're taking money out of your home equity line of credit or put it on your credit card to pay for it, that's a scary sign. And so we would say back away and wait to take a vacation until you you can keep your emergency fund intact until you can you know pay pay for it with cash on hand and you know another another thing when it comes down to cutting down on expenses Matt is is to save more on the little stuff and it's funny I'm kind of the guy who prefers to get the big things right and then not really sweat the small stuff that's kind of my vibe um, you know for instance we we only have one super old car and that means my transportation expenses are so low it, it allows me not have to not to have to fixate on the smaller things and I like to live life that way because other Otherwise, I would be constantly worried about, you know, how much I'm spending with every single grocery store trip or whether I can afford that additional item I want to put in my cart. 
But that doesn't mean that those small expenses don't matter. And so, yeah, if you have trouble with some of those small expenses and you want to get back to focusing on them a little bit better, there's this app that I was recently made aware of called the Flip app, F-L-I-P-P. We'll link to it in the show notes. And so it helps you see all the retailer flyers in one place for that week. So that can help you maybe make better grocery lists, shop the sales so that you're not overspending on the little things. So you're doing a better job planning out your budget specifically at the grocery store itself with that. But there's flyers to to other businesses too. But being able to see that all in one place can help you make make better plans. And really when it comes down to it, yeah, those small things do add up. So finding little ways to save more at places that you shop regularly, we would say makes a lot of sense. Nice, man. I I don't think we've ever heard of that one. Another way that we can often hemorrhage money uh, is through debt payments. And currently, Americans say that they are going into more debt than ever to pay for higher costs due to inflation. And so we want to encourage folks to do your best to only carry what, what a lot of folks will call good debts. Any debt is inherently bad, right? Because you're having to pay interest to a lender. Uh, but there are certain expenses where it makes more sense, you know, depending on what you're able to do with that money that, that you then free up. Specifically, we're talking about like a mortgage, uh, student loans, but not too many student loans. <laughs> I think that's a, a slippery slope for a lot of folks. But if you have debt, uh, specifically with a variable interest rate, it's really important to start paying special attention to those. Credit cards, they're often the biggest culprits here, but the rate on your HELOC, your home equity line of credit, it's going to be heading north as well. Uh, but we should be looking to pare back uh, on the number of, of, you know, of these different debt obligations that we have now before a recession hits. Uh, pay, paying off debt, it's almost never a bad move, but with a recession potentially looming, it makes even more sense now. Yeah, the one caveat I think I would say is just a low interest rate mortgage and keeping more cash on hand just provides you maybe more security, especially with inflation doing what it's doing now. Putting more money towards that 3% mortgage makes very little sense. Um, Yeah. But for the most part, we're we're not big fans of paying off your mortgage if that's something that, especially if you've acquired in the past three years or if you've refinanced in the past three years. That's right. Yeah, because it's still just incredibly low. And yeah, you're, you're actually not in a bad position given the rate of inflation that we've got going on in the country right now. Totally. But it's those other debts, you're right, Matt, like uh, especially credit cards, home medical lines of credit, as those rates go up, it's only going to make those debt payments go up. And so yeah, getting on the ball now to start getting rid of your debt makes sense in advance of a potential recession. And, and you know, one other thing that we would suggest everybody um, do, it's like an exercise, we would say that all how to money listeners should have done is to create a bare bones budget. And we talked about that in depth, actually, back in episode 362. Very nice. uh, (laughs) You don't necessarily (laughs) need to, when you do this, to cut your spending to the bone right now, right? Because you're not currently in an emergency. Like, we're not currently in a recession. You haven't actually lost your job, um, hopefully. And here's the thing. It's, it's, it's never a terrible idea to cut back here and there, even when things are going good, in order to accelerate your, your path towards financial freedom, to increase your savings rate, to be able to put a little bit more aside yeah. in your Roth or your 401k. But, but at least that act of creating a bare bones budget and, and knowing that you can implement it in order to decrease your expenses at a moment's notice is smart. I think it, it's such a cool tool because you might say, my monthly expenses right now are $3,400, but this bare bones budget says I can get by on 
$2,500. And so to know that at a moment's notice, you can switch over to this other budget and save $900 a month. You can switch to eco mode. <laughs> it's, it's exactly what it is. It's like eco <laughs> mode for your car that you can switch over there, start saving gas, and you know it's not going to be as punchy and stuff like that. And obviously, you don't want to necessarily move over to that bare bones budget unless you have to. But having it, just the, the just having created it and knowing that you can do it provides so much peace of mind. And and just then the ability to, to be able to thrive if, if a recession does come along instead of continuing to struggle and finding ways to mm-hmm. pare down then in the heat of the moment. I'm, so I know specifically that when I said eco mode, I'm sure you were thinking about like an electric vehicle, like an actual EV. But did you know like there, there are some actual internal combustion engine cars, uh, ICE vehicles, that would sometimes run on fewer cylinders than so it would be like a V8 that could run on I think like my on six cylinders my or, sister or Civic four cylinders maybe has something like, something like oh, that. Really? Some sort of eco mode. That's I don't know a, if it actually takes a cylinder down uh, or I'm what sure, it's, no, doing, it's like, I'm sure that's more like the transmission. Okay, or gotcha, it's gotcha. like uh, yeah, it's less sporty or whatever. But there were literal like I, th- I think Cadillac back in the day they had cars they had engines that on the highway you could switch it over and it would it would literally shut down some of the cylinders and so it was kind of like a bare bones super <laughs> fuel oh, efficient cool. way but that's kind of what we're talking about here doing you know with with your money because once you've got it up to speed it's like you don't it's really kind of easy you're yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. you're cruising along you're keeping it going like it, it, it reminds me too like it makes me think of working out and so if i'm working out like do i need to be able to squat like hundreds of pounds no but I know that I'm now capable of doing that, and, and that's what a bare bones budget does. It lets you know what you're capable of. When the situation arises that I do need to like move some furniture or something like that, I know what I'm capable of, right? I'm going to be more prepared. I'm going to be less likely to hurt myself, too. <laughs> uh, but that's what we're talking about with the, with the bare bones budget here. That's right. All right, but we got to still talk about what to do with your investments. That's something that people people want to know ahead of time too. Is like, well, do I need to change my my investing style? Do I need to, you know, reallocate some of my money before or if a recession hits? Well, we'll talk about that right after this. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. 
I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, we are back, and we are let's let's continue talking about what you're going to do with your money were a recession to hit. And Joel, you asked this question, you posed this question, but right before the break. Uh, but let's go ahead and answer it because regardless of what state the economy is in, we're always going to invest the exact same way that we would normally. Uh, that is specifically in widely diversified, low-cost index funds. Instead of changing your investment allocation because uh, a recession seems likely, we would rather you have the right investment allocation now. It's a good idea to know how much risk tolerance uh, you are comfortable with before a recession hits so that you don't buy, so that you don't sell in a way that locks in your losses to where you end up losing a lot of money. It's kind of like going to a theme park and you're like, I'm not sure if I like upside down roller coasters or not, but you sit on one anyway and then you freak out. It, it's better to know your risk tolerance before you get strapped in. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they have to forcibly remove you from the ride. Like, well, not forcibly. It, it's as if you rode the roller coaster and then you had the option to unbuckle <laughs> <laughs> or like hit some sort of eject button. Yeah. And surely that would be, you know, when you on the loop-de-loop or whatever, that would be a terrible time <laughs> to bail from the roller coaster. And so luckily, uh, that's not something you're capable of doing, but you can do that with your investments. That's and right. that's, that's kind of a terrible thing. And a lot of people do end up doing that because they didn't prepare properly on the front end. Yeah, they're not properly strapped in. Uh, <laughs> it, it reminds me of something that a, a famous investor, Peter Lynch, he, he once said this, and that is that more money has been lost by folks preparing for a recession, uh, assuming that it was coming soon, than was actually lost because of the recession itself. And man, we, we feel that he is totally spot on here. Truly, it's thinking that we can outsmart or, or get timing right on shifting things around. Those are the bigger things at risk here than the recession itself, at least in regards uh, to our specific investments. It makes me think of the story you told earlier about your friend. And he's like, I'm going to wait until the market takes a dip. And it's like, cool, you can try and maybe you'll be successful. But most of the time you're not. And most of the time people 
like you said, with that Peter Lynch quote, lose money because they're trying to outsmart. And yeah, I mean, a recession, while it might happen next year, we might see a correction in the market. And that's not a bad thing. That's a buying opportunity for long, long-term long buy and hold investors. Is still not something that you can actively anticipate. You kind of got to keep going the course, mm-hmm. uh, recession or not. Yeah. Over the long haul, the market tends to go up more than it goes down. That's right. So you should continue to buy. And you mentioned the word risk there just now, Matt. And, and I think that's another important part of this is when it comes to our investing strategy is, is finding ways to eliminate unnecessary risk. And and now is the perfect time to rethink whether or not you want to um, consider investing, let's say, into any more speculative assets. We're typically comfortable with no more than 5% of your overall portfolio in your favorite company stock or uh, some cryptocurrency or even an NFT, like if you, if you happen to really love a particular artist. But keeping it small, we would say, is crucial because some of those more volatile assets, very could, small, they could see wilder downward swings if a recession mm-hmm. comes along. Uh, it's been particularly easy to misjudge your risk tolerance given the, the bull market that we've been on for, for more than a decade especially if you're a younger investor and you don't even rem- remember the downturn of yep. the 2008, 2009, 2010 era. Uh, and so Vanguard it's actually- like, what are you talking about? I've, I've only seen my investments go up dramatically in value over the past 12 years. That's right. It's yeah. It's been easy to think that like, well, who saves money? Because investments only go up all the time. Yeah. But that's I feel like 2020 doesn't even, it doesn't even register anymore because it happened so quickly. It was such a blip. It was such a blip. It was such a, a quick rebound that it's, it's almost as if- and granted, a lot of that was artificially imposed with lockdowns and just the fear of the virus. But it's almost as if there was no lesson to be learned there uh, because of how quickly it did bounce back speci- yeah. or how quickly the market specifically bounced well, back. Well, it's important to know that, that those downturns can and are often more prolonged than that. Like they, that, yeah. that short lived yes. of a downturn. I mean, I'm, that's the most rapid stock market recovery we've had in the history oh, yeah. in the history of stocks. And so it, Vanguard actually has this helpful quiz that you can take to get a more accurate idea of your own risk tolerance. We'll put that the link to that in the show notes, but I think it's helpful. It's like 11 questions and I actually took the quiz Matt. I, I wanted to know, all right, what does Vanguard say my risk tolerance is and and they were like you should probably be 100% invested in stocks cuz you're totally cool with the risk and, and they ask you some really good questions and I was like, well funny enough Vanguard, that's <laughs> exactly my allocation, but interesting that you say that. But you might find out by answering certain questions that your risk tolerance is not as robust maybe as mine. And so you might find that you should have a different portfolio set up in advance of things getting rocky. And and that's better, right, than hitting that eject button in the middle of the roller coaster <laughs> like uh, to strap on really before it even gets started. Man, that makes me think of, I, th- I think this is like a prank video or something that was fed to me one time, but it was this guy who got on a roller coaster, like next to a stranger, you know, like sometimes you get partnered with somebody and you don't know who's sitting next to you. And after they had strapped in, you know, the things came down over their chests and, and like basically the the roller coaster had launched, like maybe it had like, it started going up the, like the big ramp. The guy like reached into his pocket and pulled out like this giant bolt. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh my gosh, what's this? And the guy next to him just like completely started flipping out, <laughs> which is kind of a, a mean trick. But like, that's what I picture. That's what I think of when you think about the eject button, because that guy wanted off before that thing took that massive plummet, afraid that you know his restraints were going to be loosened. <laughs> but you know, like what we're talking about here basically is like some mental preparation, right? Like if you know that you're the kind of person who's likely going to make changes based on some of these day to day news events. Uh, or even like month to month, right? Because recessions, like it might last a while. You need to make sure that you 
ingest a lot less news. Uh, and if you aren't willing to stay the course, despite the difficulty, you likely need to make changes before a recession occurs so that you can stay the course without wavering. But for most folks, though, the best course of action, uh, assuming that you are invested, is probably inaction, right? Like just like with a bare bones budget, you want to prepare, you want to forecast what it might be like in the future. And that's what we're doing here with your investments. You want to picture yourself, you're forecasting you're, and you're saying to yourself, if this were to happen, what would I do? Uh, what kind of situation would I be in? You want to place yourself mentally in the future and make sure that you make the changes now while you, your feet are like firmly planted on ground that, that, that you're comfortable with. Yeah. It makes me think one of my friends, Matt, he for some reason, he has this obsession. Every time he goes to a restaurant or something like that, he thinks, what happens if an active shooter shows up here? And what am I going to do? What's my reaction to be? What's the quickest uh, route of escape? Are you talking about me? No. <laughs> do you do that too? <laughs> I th- I mean, I think about it. Okay. Like, it's, it's not something that like... That's like one of the first things he does. He makes a plan of action. So like, how would I get out? Would I run out through the kitchen? Would I kick open I mean, this it's, window? It's smart, but at the same time, like, should it completely change your dining experience? And no. ho- hopefully that's what you're getting to. Is well, that it shouldn't <laughs> change everything about your, your dining experience. I think it's important to be aware of that kind of thing. Well, it's something that never crosses my mind. And so if it happened, <laughs> I would be, I, I, my jaw would drop and I would have no idea how to proceed. Right. But but for him, at least, like maybe it has gotten to an extreme level, but at least he would have a plan. He would know what to do. He would know what he was going if, if, you know, things got yeah, bad. Yeah. It's worth thinking through just in, in the same way. It's worth thinking through, you know, what a recession might be like and, and what it might look like for your finances, you know, or your investment portfolio to take a 50% plunge. Like it, that's worth, it's worth thinking through, yes. even though you hope that it obviously never happens. Right. And it, it makes me think that, but it, it doesn't at least prevent him from going out to eat. Like He yeah, still goes, good. but he's always got a plan to bust somebody up in the <laughs> event that it's necessary. There you go. And, but it's and, and so like one of the last pieces of advice we want to give on this episode is to, is to don't deviate from your larger plans. I think yeah. if that possibility prevented him from going out to eat. And then, enjoying his conversation with his partner right. or, or his friends. Yeah, that would be tough. It's overtaking his life too much at that point. And, and so I think recessions, they can cause people to panic and to change up their strategy. But if you're in the wealth building stage of your life, um, then continuing to save and invest the way that you have been up until this point, it continues to make sense. It continues to be the best path forward. Nothing is ever 100% certain for any of us in any given day. You know, no one was even talking about a recession just six months ago. That was the farthest thing from economists' minds, from any of our minds. But world events, they've, they've created some changes that have made a bumpy economic future a little more likely. And that doesn't mean that it, it should impact you in any meaningful way, aside from the things that we've talked about on this episode. And in fact, if you can weather a recession well, you'll likely have the ability to buy more stocks, to invest more at depressed prices, which which That's ends right. up helping you build wealth over the long haul. So it's one of those things that it, this potential shouldn't cause you to freeze up, shouldn't cause you to panic. Have a plan, but don't let it necessarily impact the things that you're doing already. Keep moving forward. Keep proceeding towards those goals that you're already working towards. Exactly. You don't want it to keep you from enjoying your beer or enjoying your dinner out. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I mean, ultimately, preparing for recession and just solid personal finance management are very similar in our book. It's wise to be cognizant of these macro trends at play, but you also don't want to live your life in fear that a recession like that it's just always lurking around the corner. Like we said, there's always someone out there predicting doom and gloom. I can uh, name a few, actually. I think uh, what the, the guy, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, he's predicting yes, a recession yeah. every single year. And you know what? 
maybe he'll be right one of these years. Yeah. But he's wrong so many times. But, he's, but if you listen to those naysayer voices, it's like you're always going to be looking around the yep. corner and not doing the things you need to be doing because of the doom and gloom folks. Yeah, and he's made a living doing that, right? Right. But the more debt that you pay off, the more savings you accrue, the less likely that you'll have cause to worry about any of this, uh, making more of an impact at your job. Finding another stream of income. These can also provide some peace of mind as you sure up the amount of money that's flowing into your life. It's just basically looking at all the different, you know, it's like a rest, risk assessment session where you're sitting down and you're thinking, okay, where's my money coming from? All right, how do I make sure that that's solid? Where does my money go? How do I make sure to plug any of those leaks? Uh, or that I know if things were to hit the fan that I can plug up leaks in a certain way. Um, and when it comes to my investing, is that within a portfolio? Is that within an investment that can that I am comfortable with? Withstanding, seeing some you know some ups and downs, some of that volatility. That is what we've talked through today, and hopefully we've given you some good food for thought uh, as we may or may not enter a recession. Uh, but hopefully this gives you a good framework to assess and to analyze what you should be doing with your money. Yeah. All right. One more analogy, one more example. It makes me think of, I, <laughs> I, was, right. I went to we the, got the going out to dinner <laughs> scenario. We got the roller coaster. We got the uh, the understudy. Um, we got the working out one. Yeah, let's keep going. We got too many analogies during this episode. <laughs> no, we need one more. That's for sure. All right, All right. Let's hear it. Not enough. So this reminds me of just a couple of weeks ago, I got to go to the Masters, uh-huh. like the most prestigious golf tournament, Matt, in your hometown uh, with a buddy, and it was super fun. But uh, we, <laughs> we were standing on hole 15. I was standing on hole 15 with a couple buds, and a ball, a golf ball, ended up five feet from where we were standing. And in nice. the pine straw, or like actually in this like mud pile. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so it was like not an ideal place to hit a shot. He, the guy, I don't want to go too far with this analogy, but he got to move move the ball actually a, a club length away. Drop. Yeah, he got a drop. Mm-hmm. And and it, you know, the, the planning that goes into these guys attacking the golf course, they're reading the greens. They're out there before the tournament even begins. He couldn't have predicted necessarily that he was that he was going to end up in this exact spot on the course, five feet from where I was standing. While I was heckling him, no, I wasn't. I wasn't heckling. You don't. You're not supposed to do that golf. But uh, so hitting it out of the pine straw towards the green. But he still all of that other planning really came in handy. His shot was incredible. Like it was a. Anybody else would have hit 52 branches on the way to the green. This guy somehow snaked it through everything. It was impressive. But it really is. It's all that preparation that came in clutch in a moment of difficulty on the course for this guy. So, I don't know. Maybe it's not a great analogy. No, it's good. Yeah, he he practices not hoping that he will end up in the rough or end up in some mud. But he practices so that were that situation to arise, like that's why you work on your whatever. I don't know what club he used. I wasn't there. But like that's why he used his wedge, you know, to like like <laughs> oh, no, work. He was, he was using iron, man. He had to go like 190 yards. Oh, holy crap. Through, yeah, it was nuts. So like a, I don't know, 190 yards? What is that? Like a four iron or something yeah, like I that? Yeah, so. I think it was. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's not something you hope happens, but hopefully you have the, the skill and it's something that you've, you've practiced and you've rehearsed in your mind to be able to tackle. But uh, let's go ahead and shift gears and get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed during this episode. This was an Alt-Berish Donkul. <laughs> I think that's how the German and say it. Okay. Uh, I don't I just kind of made that up. So I will say, so I, we've never talked about this before. This isn't, so it's, it's an alt beer. So it, that's what the alt bearish stands for. And some folks might know that my last name is alt mix. And in German, alt means old and technically mix. So I th- what we think uh, the, the original spelling was M-I-K. And a mick is, a, from what I understand, it's a stage during the beer brewing process. And so if you combine alt, which is old, to mick, I mean, what is that? How do you read that? I read that as old ale, and for and I, I believe that like brewing beer is just in my bones. That might be like my fourth 
career change or something <laughs> like <laughs> my switch to brewing beer but this is an alt bearish obviously this is from my dad's side the germans um i, I don't look very german but <laughs> i look a little bit more like a korean from my mom's side but uh but yeah this is uh, a dunkel technically i guess this is a dark lager but uh what were your thoughts on this one okay well sorry I, d- I just saw the i don't know if we've ever had an alt beer on the show before because that's, that's a european style well i appreciate the insight for everyone out there to your name a little bit of history there on, more. on the uh the old man myth the legend the old well, ale i'm gonna call you old man because you're alt man uh, <laughs> sounds good man <laughs> well uh, so this is a beer style Matt, that you and i we don't really drink very often i i thought it was refreshing it was light but still flavorful i think the dark Bavarian lager is just kind of a clutch style and it's nice. It's one that I want to ingest more of. So this was a good example. It's kind of a classic example, a brewery that's been doing it for a long time, but yeah, I dug it. What'd you think? Yeah, totally. No, it was a great change of pace. This is like you said, it's not a good, it's not a style that we often have, but it was really good. Uh, it was novel in that sense. It wasn't the, the standard New England hazy IPA that we are often uh, fond of having. <laughs> uh, but this is like one of those classic beers that you often see on the shelf and you're like, what is that? It just looks like some old generic European beer <laughs> that's been around for hundreds of years, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's actually good. I, I like that we're starting to, we're not, it's not that we never branched out before. It's just that there were so many options surrounding us and we're just like, oh, I want to try this barrel aged sour. Oh, I'm going to try this, you know, Russian Imperial stout with cocoa nibs and chili peppers in it. But oftentimes it can be good to go back to some of the classics. And I think we've kind of been doing that a little bit more late, yeah, lately, sure. but, uh, but yeah, really enjoy this one. And, uh, we would recommend for folks who are maybe if you're first getting into beer, this would be a very approachable style, yeah. right? Cause it's really multi. If you like bread, uh, you know, like whole wheat bread has kind of got this dark flavor going on with for it. Sure. I would totally recommend, uh, this Einger, uh, alt bearish dunkel. Awesome. Yeah, and this should be on the shelves pretty much wherever you I would think so. shop for beer. Yeah. So it's Na- a nationwide kind of a classic. I think that Iinger has a, a few different beers that they brew, but I really dug this one. So yeah. all right, uh, it was tasty. That's going to do it for this episode. For folks who want the show notes for this episode, well, you can find those up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. So that's going to be it for this episode. Until next time, Joel. Best friends out. Best friends out. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. 
Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.